Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cb for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you did. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. 17-14 is the final. One touchdown, we are world champions. Believe it, and it will happen. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. Schmelk, Dottino, Meadow, you. 201-939-4513. We'll probably take your calls in around 20 minutes or so, but if you want to get on the line, you can. But don't get in too early if you want to be on hold. So give us a call. We're on Giants.com and the Giants mobile site at Giants.com slash Big Blue Kickoff. Check us out. And, guys, um, no practice today. It's an off day for the team. They've had three straight days of practice. Uh, one long padded practice, one medium, I would say. Yes. A little bit shorter padded practice, and then a really short shells practice yesterday. Mm-hmm. I imagine the next two practices, Thursday and Friday, before the second preseason game, will probably not be padded, is my guess. Actually, I think I have a one. list here. Let me see. I think what one padded, one shell. Um, I can look that up. I don't have it in front of me. But I imagine those will probably be a lot of uh, carded things to get ready for the for the game. Maybe at least Friday's practice, which I wouldn't expect to be much. I think we have a chance to get something fun tomorrow. Mm-hmm. We'll see how that goes. Um, so we'll continue in coverage of that. Then, of course, you have the joint practice against the Jets next week, which I imagine will be our last kind of big taste of competitive practice uh, before we start getting to real deal regular season preparations. Uh, Jeff and I talked yesterday about a couple different things, and I want to get your guys' takes on them too, Paul. We mentioned the the, the Giants' Ring of Honor stuff, but since – Neither Jeff or I, you know, I was younger when these guys all played in the, you know, 80s and, and early 90s and stuff like that. And, you know, Jeff wasn't really, you know, he was playing. He wasn't, you know, playing against those guys necessarily. Would he remember anyway? Well, that's a good point, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, we actually joked about that yesterday. Uh, so just give me your take on on the guys going to the Ring of Honor, Lance. You can, too, uh, before we head on to a couple different topics. Well, you figure that six Super Bowl rings between the four guys uh, who were here yesterday, a total of seven went in. We know the trainer, Ronnie Barnes, who, by the way, one of the few people in this building who predates me, John, he started here in 1976. And by the way, he looks like he's like 45 years old. How yeah, does he, he do it? It's amazing. amazing. But anyway, go oh, ahead. Oh, it's insane. Yeah, it's a stressful job, too, by the way. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's long hours. In charge of all those players. Yeah, yeah I, sure. I got a feeling. He looks great, man. He must, like, go into an oxygen chamber every night. <laughs> yeah. It's well, got to be. It's got to be. He knows well, he's got to keep up with the latest anyway. Yeah, he so does. It's true. Makes sense. You know what? Forget about all these infomercials that we see for these people trying to turn back the clock. Ronnie Barnes has the secret of youth. There's he no does, question. Absolutely. Anyway. Anyway. So, so Ronnie started here as, a, as a, uh, an assistant. I believe he might have even been part-time back in 1976. So he pre- predates me by seven years. I'm surprised he hasn't been able to fix you over the past 35 yeah, okay. years. <laughs> so, That's an impossible yeah, task. Correct. But I, what even I'm, Ronnie can pull that The up. reason I bring yeah. it up is because I don't think that there's any medical person in the National Football League who has a tenure as he does. Yeah, I don't know. About I it. think I, he holds the record. Could be. I have no idea. And he's part of the National Athletic Association Trainers Hall of Fame yes, also. correct. So he is multi-honored. Uh, mm-hmm. And so this was really fitting for him. Um, so I'm really, really glad. Jim Johnson, who was the trainer back in the days of the sneakers game when Wellington Mara was owning the team decades ago, is also in the Ring yep. of Honor. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, that's Ronnie. Uh, we all know that Jimmy Patton was a five-time All-NFL safety, was on all those teams in the late 50s and early 60s. Quite frankly, I think he should be in the Hall of Fame. He is not, but you know he was a staple with Dick Lynch in those secondaries. Uh, tremendous hitter, 
big time hitter. Uh, and then obviously the other one is Kyle Rote, who uh, was drafted out of SMU as a running back, had a bad knee injury, spent the first two years as a running back, then converted to wide receiver, went to four Pro Bowls, I believe, as a wide receiver, uh, was part of the, the Tittle teams in the early 60s, uh, then became a very, very well-known broadcaster. Apparently a much beloved well, teammate. Be- a bunch of teammates like named their kids after him. Oh, they had, like People loved that guy. Apparently. Very much so. Yeah. It was because of him, Gifford, and Summerall, and DeRogatis, uh, in the early 60s into the mid-60s, all those guys were big-time Giants players during the Giants' heyday. All of them wound up graduating into broadcasting. And so they started to nickname them the boys from Mara Tech. The Giants became known as Mara Tech. Oh, yeah, I never heard that. Interesting. Because they would graduate from the field into the broadcast booth. Interesting. Uh, Summerall wrote DeRogatis, Gifford, all those guys. So, um, anyway, bottom line is that, you know, uh, Patton and uh, Rowe are no longer with us. So, the other four players who were here yesterday, Hampton and Morris and Marshall and Anderson, all spoke with us. And I think the thing about those four guys And by the way, if you want to hear those, go to the John Suttle Podcast. It's up there right now. Paul did interviews with all four of those guys. Got got a quick comment from each one of them, although a lengthy interview with with Otis talking about this year's team. Mm Mm-hmm. The thing that that I think the common thread, besides that they were all champions guys, is that each one of those guys was not just part of a championship team, but they were key members, like heart and soul kind of guys. Joe Morris ran for 21 touchdowns in 1986. Think about that. 21 touchdowns. At the time... It was an NFL record for halfbacks for a single season. I didn't know that. That's interesting. 21. I knew you were 21. I didn't realize it was a record at it's that insane. time. It's insane. Right. Okay? His back-to-back seasons in, in 85, 86, I mean, he what did he run for? 2,800 yards, I think, over, uh, over those two seasons combined. Yeah. He was an absolute beast. We called him Little Joe. And trust me. No matter what we talk about with those Giants defensive teams during those heydays of Parcells, Little Joe, he was the heart and soul of that offense. He really was. Because, Lance would have loved Joe Morris back oh, in the day. He, he, without he, a doubt. He would have been one of Lance's guys. See, no because question. Phil's best target was Bavaro. Right. His tight end was his key passing weapon. It was all about Little Joe. So he was the heart and soul of the offense. Quickly, the other guys, we all know what Otis Anderson did in the third quarter of Super Bowl twenty five against yep. the Bills. Now, most of the damage in his career was with the Cardinals, but his Super no doubt. Bowl was with the Giants. Yep. Rookie of the year with the Cardinals, multiple thousand-yard seasons, comes to the Giants, was a comeback player of the year, and was a Super Bowl MVP. When he retired, he was top 10 all-time with over 10,000 yards rushing. He was also among the top five active running backs at the time in all-time pass receptions. People did not realize Otis Anderson was either, a very dangerous you. threat coming I, out of the backfield. I did not know that. That's interesting. It's, it's, to me, one of the reasons why he should get much more consideration for the Hall of Fame than he does. Paul thinks ex-Giant should be in Hall of Fame. News at 11. Stunning. Well. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing you. Just in, teasing. Any of, in any event. So that then, and of course, without Otis, that third quarter drive right. against the Bills does not happen. And then you have Rodney, who was basically, the, who was the Giants' all-time leading rusher until Tiki Barber came around. Well, yeah. And the thing about Rodney, he was drafted in 90, so he was the starting running back and kind of paired with O.J. Anderson, and then he broke his foot. Uh, in the in the postseason, and Otis had to carry the load and right. wound up leading them to the Super Bowl win. Rodney was a tremendous combination of of speed. He had some jukes to him, and he also had some power. Oh, he had to power him. for sure, yeah. Well, later in his career, it became a power back. He kind of got rid of the jukes and the quicks, and he just became a plotter and a power well, back, like his, Otis Anderson because was, because he had a, he had yeah. a degenerative knee. And trust me. Um, those those Dan Reeves teams uh, when Rodney extended into those teams. Yeah, that like 92 to 95. Era, I mean, right? yeah. Rodney, Rodney, uh, Dave Brown was the quarterback for most of those games. Rodney was the Giants offense. 
Let's not kid well, ourselves. Well, you had the one year when Phil was still there. 93. That was the Cowboys' first Super Bowl year, 93. Right? When they had that big game, the Emmett had the separated shoulder game, and yep. the Giants. I'll never, they, I'll never forget, if, forget that If they game. win that game, they get home field. Who knows what the heck And happens. they get a bye week. Right, exactly. And that mm-hmm. team is going to the Super Bowl. I believe that. Yeah, they could have. I truly no believe question. that. They would have avoided playing San Francisco out there at Candlestick. I think they would have gone. But that was the one year where, yeah, you know, that was Phil's last season, and, and actually he was voted to the Pro Bowl that year, too. But... Rodney, for the most part, it was right after that where, you know, he continued to play. And Rodney Rodney changed his game because of his knee. And he was basically the lifeblood of that Giants offense for several years. And so then, that, and those are the guys. Well, and then finally Leonard, you didn't mention him. Oh, I Leonard. Mean, he was very much. He was basically. <laughs> Joe Montana. Well, he was basically. <laughs> over, Leonard Marshall. He was basically overshadowed by LT and Carl Banks yep. in that well, era. Yeah, the thing about, about Leonard, when, when Leonard was here, when they drafted him out of LSU, he was an oversized end who was supposed to play some defensive tackle. Well, I get it. Three, four defensive ends that can get pass rush like Bruce Smith did with the Bills. Those are hard to come by, right. man. Whew. So what happened was the Giants, and he, he played some tackle snaps. Then they decided, you know what? He, he kind of, Lamar Leachman was the defensive line coach, and he used to just absolutely berate Leonard Marshall all the time. Really got on him hard. And, That's why he took it out on opposing players. Well, eventually, yeah. yeah. Again, ask Joe Montana. Uh, and so Leonard went And the play up, Paul's talking about for the folks that didn't know, he knocked, he knocked Joe Montana out of the NFC title game, right? Yeah. Where the, that famous thing, Montana rolls right, Leonard Marshall comes from behind and basically just obliterates his shoulder. Exactly. Which basically changed the, the, the path of Joe Montana's career. Correct. Yeah. And opened the door for Steve, Steve Young, Young to yeah, really up, become the guy. He ended up going to Kansas City pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Uh-huh. Exactly. Of course, the Giants won the Super Bowl yep. that year in mm-hmm. 1990 anyway. But the point about Leonard was, so then he, he got more serious with his conditioning, and they decided, okay, we're going to put you to defensive end. Yeah. And even though they were a 3-4 and Lawrence was a stand-up pass rusher, they played a, more of a traditional. Lawrence was a stand-up linebacker. He wasn't a stand-up defensive end. He was still more of a stand-up linebacker because they put him in coverage a lot. Believe it or not, Lawrence. I mean, Lawrence could do anything. So, so you're for, a big LT fan. You think? <laughs> so Leonard Leonard during his time with the Giants had had like 80 sacks. Yeah. Uh, and in 1985 was the uh, NFL Defensive Lineman of the Year. Was he really? He sure was. Oh, I didn't know that either. Sure, yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning stuff today. So Le- Leonard, Leonard, uh, two-time Super Bowl champ. So that's my my recap on those guys. All really good men, great giants and champions. So what more could you ask for? Yeah, the only thing I'll say real quick is just to relate it back to today's football. When you look at the running backs, except for OJ, o- o- who did it for a while and he was effective for a long time. You look at the careers of Joe Morris and. Rodney Hampton, even going back then, man, these running back careers are just not very long. Well, Joe broke his foot. Well, of course. That's my point, though. Yeah, broke his foot. suffer injuries. And, and Rodney broke his foot as a rookie. Right. And he Joe broke his foot a few years in, mm-hmm. and that's what basically, because then he was on his last year with the Giants, he was on injured reserve. And the following summer, he came back, and he didn't make the team. Parcells kept Otis Anderson instead. And Joe took a year off. I'm sure he wasn't happy about that. No, no. <laughs> and Joe Joe wound up going to the Browns. Yeah, I mean, he Joe healed Morris, up and played with Cleveland. His third year in the league at 24, he had 510 rushing yards. Then Paul, the two monster years, 1,300, then 1,500. Then he went down to 600. Then he had 1,000. And then it yeah, was, but the 600-yard was, was, was a strike, strike season. Year. He only had 11 games. Right. That. You're right. Yeah. Then he had 1,000 in 88, which is somewhat reduced production, yeah. right? He was down to only 3.5 yards per carry that year. And then at 28, done. He had one more year with Cleveland. You mentioned he right. had 289 rushing yards, and then his career fell off the thing, so fell off the cliff. So, Lance, that would be my one takeaway as you look back at these guys' careers at kind of how, you know, running backs, it's just hard for them to last the a long The thing with time. Joe that's interesting, he was a second-round pick out of Syracuse, and the year they took him, the number one pick was Butch Woolfolk out of Michigan. Woolfolk was a, a real dancer. He never wanted to, to cut it upfield. He would constantly dance, 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 dance. And I think that's a dance now. I mean, yeah. a song, right? <laughs> and 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 Butch, Butch was the lead back initially as the number one pick. Well, because of his dancing and because he also had trouble holding on to the ball, Joe had some trouble holding on to the ball too. Oh wow! When he yeah. first got into the league, sixteen games, he had eight fumbles in nineteen eighty-three. There's a problem, Wolfolk. Yeah, that's not oh good. yeah, that's a lot. He had greased hands. Yeah, that, yeah, that's like tiki territory. So right there. tell me good. about yeah. it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what happened? And 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 Wolfolk did not necessarily have a great attitude. He was a bit selfish, and he liked to blame other people. Mm. He, it wasn't a good teammate. And so Parcells 
wound up turning to Joe. And that's when Joe eventually wound up seizing. I think it was Joe's third year, I believe. Third, when he, finally became, uh-huh. he finally became yeah, he the lead back. Because yeah. the Giants sent Wolfolk to Houston. Yeah. He goes mm-hmm. to Houston, becomes an H-back for the, for, for the Oilers. He wasn't a, a running back for the Oilers anymore. They made him an H-back. Mm-hmm. And I think he caught 70 passes one year for, uh, for Houston. 80. 80 for, was it 80? 80 for 814 in 1985. Very wow. productive as an H-back. That's interesting. But not as a running back. Because, again, they'd handle the ball and he'd spend about five seconds dancing. Before he would attack the line. I mean, Wolfolk had, a, you know, for all of his talent and skill, he didn't know how to use it. Lance, your take on the class real quick before we move on. Well, I was going to say there was more of an emphasis on the running game when a lot of these running backs played. So it's understandable they get a little bit more of a workload. Their durability is not as lengthy as not to say that we see a lot of backs have lengthy careers, but you see a lot of two man backfields in today's game. Whereas well, Joe had Maurice such- Carthen. But what I'm saying is there was a That's much a bigger emphasis on the run game. For Teams sure. ran the ball a lot more. So those guys got more work overall, whether it was one guy or multiple guys yeah, I, I don't have the compared numbers. to the volume of passes. Yeah, I don't have the numbers, Lance, but you know now you're probably getting like 55-45 pass run split on first downs. Back then it was probably like 75-25 run pass Especially split. Especially under yeah. Ron yeah, Earhart exactly. and Bill Parcells. Yeah, for sure. sure. So, I mean, you're taking on more hits over the course of a game, especially if they're utilizing you as a key component on the offensive side of the ball. But I do think it says a lot about the Giants' ability to find the next successor, given all these guys that are going yeah. into the Ring of Honor, because all of these players were in the same time area that we're talking about. Yeah, they're all Joe in a 10-year span. They're all yeah. between 85 and 95. So, yeah. I mean, I, I think it speaks volumes of the organization's ability to either acquire or draft somebody when all of a sudden five years went by, Joe Morris couldn't do it anymore. All right. We'll then bring in Otis Anderson, and then we'll get Rodney Hampton ready, and then the guys that even followed Rodney Hampton. So, you know, that to me is one of the biggest takeaways. And I think Leonard Marshall probably is the most overlooked member of this class. I think he, as you mentioned, John, when you look at all those great defensive players on those teams in 86 and 90, I don't want to say that he's like the stepchild, but I don't think he's brought up to the forefront as much as some of those other players. So I was glad to see Leonard Marshall finally get his due, at least within the context of the Giants organization. You know, asking it to happen within the confines of the NFL, maybe a stretch, but at least within the organization, I do think that he deserves some notoriety. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. There. 201-939-4513. Let's switch gears here. Uh, didn't mean to go that long on that, but um, Paul gave us great information. It was fantastic. That was really, really good. Je- Jeff and I kind of sped by it at the start of the show yesterday, so I'm happy we got a chance to take a little bit cool. more time on it today. So we're going to now move ahead in time to the current time. We have one guy on hold. I want to get to James and Georgia Pearson, and then I'm going to ask the question to Paul Lance that I didn't get to on Mondays. So let's go to James and Georgia. He's up next. James, what's going on? Nothing much, Kev. How y'all doing? We're Hi. good, man. You're right. Um, I just got a couple things uh, about training camp and a couple things that y'all were talking about over the last couple days. All right, go ahead. Um, I think uh, the Kenny Galladay situation, uh, a lot of people are looking at it, and it comes down to the points per dollar uh, for me. And I think that everybody's, like, worried that he's not producing in training camp, but we got to see what happens during the regular season. And think y'all put a number like if he has say eight touchdowns or something I, I, look I, that, I think if be... you would like to see Kenny Galladay surpass a thousand yards receiving that's what I think is a nice target number for him to to try to hit thousand yards well, and at least six touchdowns he needs to be a number one He's getting paid as a number one. He needs to be a number one. Right. I mean, I'm not going to lose my mind if he has five touchdowns. Yeah. If he has like three, it's a problem. Okay. But, but you know, okay. five or more, I think okay. I'd But 1,000 yards is a really important number. I think that's an important number. I yes. totally agree. I don't think the number of receptions is necessarily huge, but I think you need a good yards per catch, and I think you need 1,000 yards. Know, you know what? And maybe, Lance, you, you, you talk to some people through Sirius around the league. 
maybe maybe you have an answer to this that I just haven't discovered yet, and I think I need to make a phone call and find out. Was Kenny Galladay a productive training camp and or practice player in Detroit in the years when he put up back-to-back 1,000-yard yeah, seasons? Good question. Or has he always been one of those guys who just showed up on game day? Okay, right, and he spoke it, It's a other, fair, fair question. Yeah, and he spoke the other day. He didn't seem all that concerned with how training camp was going when he was at the podium. But he didn't. Yesterday or two days ago, he al- He also did say, however, that he thinks he's his own worst critic. Yes. And when he yeah. doesn't do well, he has a lot of pride in what he does. Right. So I, I, I'm, I need to make a phone call. He, Lance, do you know? Have you heard? Have you no, talked to I haven't heard anything specifically. I mean, I certainly haven't heard people rave about his work ethic, if that's what you're trying to get at. But that doesn't mean that he wasn't a hard worker in Detroit. I also think it's important to note there are some guys that don't lay everything out on the line in practice that's and then my show point. up in games. That's exactly and, Or it. vice versa. So that's another reason why I wouldn't read too much into it. How many times have we seen a Giants player put up great numbers or acrobatic catches in practice and then it doesn't translate to games? So that's more of a reason why I, I personally, <laughs> but that, but that's why I personally, I don't get caught up in what a guy does in practice with the flair of it all. Well, here's why it's well, important. Well, I would say this too. I'm, I'm not for a guy that has a track record of success in regular season games. I'm not worried for a guy that hasn't made it yet. And he's doing nothing in camp when he needs to do something to prove himself. Right. Those guys, I maybe have more concern about because that, you know, your, your butts on the line. Now, I'm not a big fan of these, oh, he's a gamer, he doesn't do well in practice things. I think that eventually catches up with guys it down can. the road. It can. I mean, you look at some You don't of these, want too many of them. I mean, you look at all these like, these guys that never practice, but they play, right? Eventually, like DeAndre Hopkins, like it seems to kind of catch up with them at some point. But again, that that's just, you know, d- different guys, different situations. I think that's just though. more of a health or durability factor for some no, of those guys. 100% yeah. true. Yep, yeah, I'm well, with you on that. Some of it is, and some of it is they're just not good practice players. Right. Now, I will tell you this. I, I will make a call out to Detroit. I know somebody out there. I will make a phone call, and I will ask, and if they tell me that he was never a very productive training camp player and was not a spectacular practice player but still put up 1,000-yard seasons, then I will have absolutely no fear about what's going on right now. I, I will not. The fact that he's been a bit inconsistent this summer won't bother me. Right. But if they tell me that he was a very good practice player and he was really good at camp and those summers foreshadowed 1,000-yard seasons – I would be a little bit more concerned. All right, James, question number two. Um, well, I was just going to say the uh, Richie James route, uh, that vertical zig that he did, that was a, a good uh, route he made up there um, on the fly. Uh, I think the four Giants uh, draft picks that have two rings should one day make the ring of honor. I know y'all were talking about that the other day. Who's that? And um, last point. I no, no, James, James, who? Uh, I, names. Give me names. Oh, names. Uh, Tuck, O.C., Jacobs, and Bradshaw. Oh, Tuck oh. and O.C. are there. Tuck yeah, and O.C. In are in. Uh, Jacobs and Bradshaw are oh, not. they're already and, on there? Yep. So Tuck and Osier, and they went in 16 and 17, I believe, or 15 and 16, oh, really? maybe, no, something like that. Uh, yeah. The only guy I throw out there, too, I think I think Victor Cruz will get up there eventually. I think what, uh, even Victor though it was Cruz only a few is... years, I think he had a big enough of an impact, and he was he was right. Super Bowl winner. My guess is that Cruz will get up there at some point. Right. Oh, I, I forgot about Tuck and Osier. But uh, last point, um, the Giants let one get away in the draft, and uh, – What's his name that's on the Eagles? Uh, Jordan Davis? No, N'Kobe Dean, the middle linebacker. Oh, no. From Georgia. He had yeah, a guy projected that first round, and, you know, he didn't take him in the third when he's sitting right there. That's the part of the, you know, same old Giants thing that they do sometimes. But, you know, love the team. That one might hurt him one day, but hopefully not. Thank you, James. Appreciate the call, man. Look. We got to see what the Kobe team does. And look, I I had him as a second round guy. Some people had him in a first rounder. I thought he was a second rounder. I, his size worried me a little bit. He's really undersized, and he a lot he had some injury things going on. So yeah. I had him as, as more of a second round guy. But look, we have to see what jo- what happens if Josh Azuda is your starting left guard for the next eight or nine years. Uh, then I'm not feeling about bad about that pick. <laughs> you shouldn't. No. So, I mean, is he going to be that guy? I don't know. Is the Kobe Dean going to be awesome, or is he going to be eh, an okay player? I don't know. We'll see. 
We'll see. Well, I think the, the question that I would have liked to have asked was, does the caller feel that way simply because he wound up going to the Eagles? <laughs> right, that's a good point. Because he's in the division. So if he doesn't go in the division, do you have the same feeling? And I'm not saying that Dean is not going to turn out to be a productive player, but whenever you play that game of, well, the Giants could have gone in this direction, you have to look at the player they chose and the impact that that player is going to have on the roster and also whether or not they had the need for a guy like Dean and does he fit into what Wink Martindale would have asked him to do or would have wanted to do. See, when you're not privy to the conversations in the draft room about the Giants' viewpoint of Dean, it's hard to label it as the Giants passed up on the guy or the Giants overlooked the guy. They may have not had much of an interest in the guy. So he was never on their radar. Therefore, it's not much of a conversation point, I guess, is what I'm getting at. Right. We just don't know how he was great exactly. on their board and how he yeah. would fit in what they're trying to do. And again, we don't know what the medical group had to say about him obviously it wasn't just the Giants right no other team in the NFL every team in the NFL passed on him at least once some twice some three times so again we have to see what N'Kobe Dean does I thought look I I think and it pains me to say this the Eagles I think do a really nice job evaluating and drafting good talent in the draft I just think they know how to I think Howie Roseman does a nice job doing a lot of trades moving around maximizing value in those trades I think they do a really nice job building their roster down. They also I, I create some great depth too. They do, yeah. I they, think that's what the Eagles are very. I mean, effective I think like they have like a bunch of first and second round picks that are backups for them right now. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah. They've got the most overall depth, in my opinion, in the division. Yeah, overall, hundred percent agree. But mm-hmm. but what is their quarterback? And and that's always the ultimate equalizer. Right? I'm not I'm not a Hurts guy. I know, but but. Go around the rest of the units. It's hard to argue. Yeah, I'll tell you what, though, Paul. The Eagles could play Paul Dottino football this year. They could yeah, play right? good defense. They could run the ball a lot. And have Hurts just manage games. And they did that late last season. Mm-hmm. That helped them get to the playoffs. In fact, the Eagles might actually play on the Paul Dottino blueprint this year. Uh, oh well, here's the other thing, though. You, can... <laughs> you should see the look on Paul's face. He's, in He's so disappointed. Much... He's yeah, in so well, because they're in the right division. Now, Lance. It's fantastic. Yeah. Well, because he'd rather you talk about the Baltimore Ravens playing that style of football than the Philadelphia Eagles because the Ravens are in the AFC North. He's yep. not worried about the AFC North. He's well, only worried about the NFC East. Well, uh, the caller's name, what was his name? Uh, the guy James. Was his, James. James. James and Jordan. James, I, 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 would ask, I would ask one other thing. Well, he's gone. I, I let him go. Oh, he's already gone. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I would ask one other thing, though, about, about him. Obviously, he can't answer this. Uh, we just heard, you know, we've heard the coaches, you and I particularly, John, talk about the devaluation, if you will, of linebackers, especially in this game today. Now, N'Kobe Dean was not necessarily, now he had range as a run stopper, even though he's the smallest side. I'm not so sure how significant a role he might have had yeah. in Wink Martindale's defense. Now, really, so that's what I was getting yeah. at earlier. Now, that's what I mentioned. Really smart player, though. That's the one thing I've heard mm-hmm. from a million people about mm-hmm. N'Kobe Dean. Like, he, like, picks things up. Understood. Really fast, great instinct. So I think he would figure it out. But yeah, look, hundred percent. And and you know, and it's funny. And and, and again, we have a couple more calls in line. I want to get to you two zero one nine three nine four five one three. You talk about valuing positions, right? We saw Derwin James. He's been you know doing his hold in where he's at training camp yeah, and not right. practicing. Um, at training camp for the Chargers this year, he got a big big four year big money contract. And I think it's showing how. And we just saw Micah Fitzpatrick get a big contract uh, from the Steelers mm-hmm. was it last offseason, I think. Lance yeah. or was it this offseason? I don't remember. Or I think it was earlier this. It was earlier this offseason. Yeah. You know, getting almost close to that eighteen to twenty million average per year number for for safeties, which is a big number, a lot of money. But you're these are not. They're almost taking on that star money position that they have in college now, right? Mm-hmm. Where they play in the middle of the field. If you want them to blitz, great. Stop the one as a linebacker, great. Play one-on-one against a slot receiver, great. Oh, you got to play one-on-one against a regular wide receiver? Okay, you can do that too. So I think we're seeing the value of, I'll call it the safety position, but that versatile, do-everything, 220-pound guy that can play in the middle of the field, that can, you know, never has to be taken off the field, that's becoming closer to a premium position because it's a guy you can use in a million different ways. See, years ago, you know, you talk about the Ronnie Lotts of the world, the Joey Browners of the world, uh, those kinds of guys, Steve Atwater. Steve Atwater, I was asking about that. There have been some absolutely sensational, dominant safeties and defenses before. I mean, you know, Fensick and Dorson with the, with the Bears back in 85. 
Uh, there have been over the years. Hell, go back to Brian Dawkins and John Lynch if you want. No in doubt. The early 2000s, the, so right? the point is, the game has had dominant safeties before. There have been many a years with many a good defenses yeah. where the safety was the leading tackler. Oh, Leroy Butler, Darren Woodson, okay. Dallas, all those guys. Right. 100%. Mm-hmm. So, so the interesting part, though, John, is that as important as those safeties were, they weren't getting paid the percentage of the monies that they're getting paid well, now. Because it's more of a... Pe- because The cap more, has also gone up. But, but right. No, no. But I'm talking about percentage. The safeties were getting a lower percentage of the cap than they're getting now because now they're playing different positions. Right, and it's more of a passing That's game. the key. Right, that, that's why I wanted to say it's not necessarily the safety position. It's those guys that can do everything yes. that... Or becoming it's the fact more. that they're not necessarily safeties. They're like chameleons. Right. This is kind of how we talked about Isaiah Simmons, right? Yes. When he came out two years ago. That's yes. how I that's how I personally his ideal ceiling was that for me. I know yeah. you saw him a little bit differently than I did, but that's how I saw him for me in terms of how he would wind up being most valuable. Now, I think Kyle Hamilton is more of a traditional safety. I don't think he necessarily has the side to side quicks that a Derwin James mm-hmm. has to kind of do those things, but I think a guy like Xavier McKinney is probably closer to that category. So we have to see how the Giants use him now, Lance, to see if he can kind of, you know, get into that value to the team level that Derwin James It's has. almost like we shouldn't call that particular guy a safety well, anymore. And, and college, He's a weapon. And, and Lance, right. and, and Lance, on college depth charts, they don't call that player a safety anymore. No, they, they don't. Have the separate no, they call like a hybrid guy yeah, the, the, type of thing. The yeah. star or the money player is, right. is, is, is well, what Dane they call Well, Dane Belton played that type yes. of a role at right. Iowa. Mm-hmm. Yeah, money Badger. That's what they called it there. Yeah, money yeah. Tyron yeah. Matthew. Mm-hmm. Correct. The Money Badger. Mm-hmm. The honey, well, ba- honey badger, the honey badger, and the money, the money backer was the guy who uh, the Giants picked up from the Cardinals, Buchanan. Yeah, the honey yeah, badger yeah. does make a lot of money, so that I guess yes. you could yes. combine both. But of the, but correct. that's what happened. They, yep. they, you're right. They actually created a name for the position because it's not a standard safety anymore. Correct. Well, that's why I call them weapons. Meaning you can use you can utilize them wherever you see fit within your scheme. Just like a running back who's a wide receiver is a weapon. I don't necessarily have to call him just a running back. I call him somebody who you're going to move around and you're going to maximize their talent. Or even Lance, a guy like Debo Samuel, right? Who they yeah, sure. use in a million different ways. Yeah, 100%. Mm-hmm. Or even Christian McCaffrey, for example, sure. who mm-hmm. gets a boatload of catches as much as he does runs when he's healthy. I think the million-dollar question with Derwin James is, can he stay healthy? Yep. That still remains <laughs> to be seen, considering yep. he missed about two full seasons nearly because he only played five games in 2019. But the Chargers still believe that... Why let him walk on the market? Why go down the road of the franchise tag if we could lock him up to something that is in sync to what other comparable players are getting? And remember, they have a very good defense right now. They have playmakers at a lot of levels that are locked up. Oh, yeah, they're talented. So I think their philosophy was let's keep this core together under Brandon Staley. Let's see what they can accomplish before we maybe go into a different direction. But James is worth the label. There's no doubt about it. When healthy... He's as good as advertised. Oh, yeah. It's just about whether or not you're going to get 15 games out of him every single year. He still needs to prove that. 100%. Yeah. 201-939-4513. 201-939-4513. Season tickets are on sale for 2022 for the New York Giants. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, more. Lock in your seat starting at just $100. 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. Back to the phones. Dennis is up in Buffalo. Dennis, what's going on? Uh, I was wondering about Brand Van Pelt. I know he's before the uh, Lawrence Taylor era, and I was wondering what his status is. I understand he was a five-time All-Pro. He passed away. no, I think he means in terms of the Ring of Honor, not oh, he's in terms there. of his yeah. life status. He's up there. Yes. <laughs> Correct, yes. He is in the Ring of Honor, yes. Okay. Do you think you can ever get him into the Pro Bowl? The Hall of Fame? The Hall of Fame you're talking about. <laughs> Boy, we're batting a thousand. I'll tell you man. what, man. I, if, if Brad Van Pelt can figure out how to make the Pro Bowl this year, I'd be really impressed. <laughs> that's impressive. Yeah. I mean, if you could get the fan vote up, yeah. I'd say that's a heck of an accomplishment. Yes. Yeah, I guess so. Well, thank you. Okay. Okay. okay, bye. Appreciate it, Dennis. That one ran right over his head. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> now, now, yeah, fellas, I, I, I don't think we could possibly follow up that call with any sensible conversation, but I, I want to reverse back before the phone well, call. Well, I want to give a fact for a second. Brad Van Pelt wasn't in the inaugural Ring of Honor class. He was in the Ring Five of Honor class bubbles. in 2011. He made it in with Alex Webster, Brad Van Pelt, Carl Banks, Mark Bavaro, and Dave Jennings in 2011. And very justified. Oh, yeah. Excellent player. No question. Probably 
the best cover linebacker of his time. There wasn't a tight end or running back that could create space off of him. Because remember, he was a safety at Michigan State when he came out. And so he had tremendous cover skills, very smart player too, and had great length. All good things that you need to cover people. But here's what I want to do. I want to hit the rewind button and go before that call. The safety position, according to the franchise tag, believe it or not, John, for all that we talked about with the new value on the current safety position. It's reasonable. It's is now no longer it. a safety what anymore. What is it, 12 million? It's 12.9 mil, which, believe it or not, is only ahead of your special teams player, which is your kicker or your punter, your running back, and your tight end. It is the fourth lowest tag player. Here's the problem. On the roster. Here, is that nuts? Well, here's what I'll say, though. Linebacker would also be less than safety, but linebacker in the franchise tag includes those outside pass rushing linebackers. The edges. Like, if you included those inside linebackers, my bet is that safety would probably be, if you had a separate separate category for them, safety would probably be ahead of them, and they'd be probably close with defensive tackles, right? Like, defensive tackles and safeties would probably be close to each other. Defensive tackles, believe it or not, are fifth at 17.3. Are defensive tackles the defensive ends separated out in franchise? Yes, they are. Oh, okay. I take it back then. Never mind. I take it back. But here's the thing. My fault. Edge rushers are not separated out. Right. The safeties are not separated between your free safety and your strong safety pseudo linebacker. Mm -hmm. Okay? Um, You know, special teams... 5.2 5.2 is your tag for special teams. But that that doesn't have anything to do with punters and kickers. Right. Well, that, They're just special teams guys. I, what I'm saying right. is they need to revise the tag sheet. Well, no, I mean, well, it's going to go up every year. And now with Minka coming in at 18 a year, Derwin's coming in at, like, I'm looking at uh, spot track for the, for, at over the cap for these numbers. Right. You know, Minka average per year is 18. Jamal Adams is like 17. Harrison Smith is 16. Justin Simmons just got 15 a year. Now throwing Derwin James. That number, I think, next year is probably oh, I'm sure it will. go up yeah. a lot. I think the point that I'm making, though, is because of the specialization of what we're doing with all our right. different packages, mm-hmm. and we're creating different positions, this chart is not going to last any much longer. Well, no, I mean, it, it, change, can. it changes every year. Yeah, yeah. And, but, mm-hmm. but, but aside from the numbers changing and right. maybe some of the, the, um, the rankings changing, I think they need to create more positions on the chart. Well, well yeah. Matt Judon yeah. argued for that, if you yeah. remember. Mm-hmm. When he was given the franchise tag, I think it was with Baltimore, he yeah. argued that oh, he, he did. was not a linebacker or a defensive end. He was a combination of both, and they wound up settling. They found the middle ground. So they any should player create edge rusher. That they has should. an issue. Ed- edge rusher should be separated from inside linebacker. Totally yeah. agree. Or you're going to have, once again, the players go down the road of just mm-hmm. arguing and maybe coming down to a settlement with their team. Well, you Leonard remember, Williams had the whole defensive and defensive tackle. Correct, thing, right? exactly. Yeah, and absolutely. sometimes you win, sometimes you don't. But here's the other reason why I don't think they're going to go that crazy over it. Because why wouldn't they have done it already, A, and B, it doesn't affect a good portion of the players' union. There's very few players that are impacted by the tag. Oh, yeah. So if you ask the union overall, they're not going to go to bat for – how many guys fall under the category of these tweeners that we're talking about? Even less of the players that are impacted by the franchise yeah, tag. It helps the NFL, for example, to have inside linebackers combined with sure outside does. linebackers. Sure, because they're not going to the push for it. And very, now, it does raise the franchise value of inside linebackers. But remember, very rarely do inside linebackers get franchise tagged. That's Edge correct. rushers who That's are correct. qualified as stand-up rushers and outside linebackers, they get franchised a lot. So that'll then affect the number that way. The, the one that I think probably has the most merit for being changed is wide receiver because slot wide receiver has become a legitimate position. And you see now some guys well, I'll tell you what, who that, are significant impact players as a slot. Well, that, 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 helps, the, that helps the slot yeah, guys. Yeah, they though. would make yeah. more then had they been designated as a slot guy. Yeah, remember, so, the slot guys get... He, they get included with the outside wide receivers now. Yes. So, so they're already yes. up there. So there's, there's an incentive, Paul, for them to be labeled just the wide receiver then. Why right. would they want to change that? They wouldn't want to have it separated yeah. No, I think, I think the owners would want it. Oh, yeah. They would, oh, yeah. Sure. But, yeah but well, the the but owners would want that separate because— Something tells me, though, the owners are not going to want to open up that Pandora's box. Yeah, probably Because not. then the players are like, well, if you're going to separate that out, then we should separate no. this out. You know what I mean? I'm, also, I'm just I, from, for the damn list to make sense. Yeah. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I want. Well, yeah, but once again, I think it's just Paul— goes back to if you don't have a high volume of players impacted by this, they're not going to change it. 
Well, they probably won't. I just want it to make sense. And offensive that's line all. is split up by guard and tackle, or is it all offensive, offensive line? line? No. Yeah, no, see, that's the other yeah. one you would split up. Is Absolutely. Guard and tackle, We've right? talked yeah, about that. Sure. And center. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Well, you could, you could probably include centers with the guards. Those numbers are usually you pretty, probably pretty, could. Pretty, pretty close. You know? But yeah, it, but again, centers and guards love this because they oh, want to yeah. get the money that tackles. Of course yeah. they do. Yeah. They're not exactly. complaining. Right. And the corners. <laughs> That's, yeah. But again, again tackles, slot corners. But again, tackles are franchised more often than guards yes, and centers are. are. So yeah. anyway, 201, that was kind of a, off the rails there. Sorry. No, that's okay. That was fine. <laughs> Open a limited time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average. Plus, it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. 201-939-4513. All right, before we get to our next two calls, I'm going to ask you guys the questions, and, and Scott and Charlie will get to you. But, uh... This is the question I was asking on Monday, but we ran out of time. And I'll, I'll get to all three of these guys, Pearson. Don't worry. So Jeff and I answered this question yesterday to start off the show. And it was, what is most top of mind for you? And you can talk about something. If you're excited about it, that's fine. If it's something you're worried about, that's fine, too. Uh, Jeff took the injuries, specifically depth on the offensive line right now in terms of injuries, is the thing he's thinking about the most. In terms of what I'm thinking about the most, I took the cornerback position. And whether or not this group can handle all the man-to-man coverage that Wink is likely going to ask them to play. So I will let I, let's go Lance first. Lance, what's the thing that's top of mind most for you when you're thinking about this Giants team heading into preseason game number two? Well, I believe I've actually written about this in a recent cover four. Oh, there and you go. It's really, I mean, right in line with what you were talking about. I've said all offseason the secondary is the biggest question yeah. mark because of Wink Martindale's defense and while I don't put a whole lot of stock and substance in preseason games, I do think what we got a taste of, at least with Aaron Robinson, is that when he's going to be put out on an island, teams are not going to hesitate targeting him, and he's going to be put in a spot where he's going to have to make plays, especially when you don't have James Bradbury in the equation anymore. So I don't think those fears have been allayed as a result of what we've seen in camp and one preseason game, and I think that that group overall, whether it's a uh, piecemeal, whether it's a committee, however you want to label it, you know, those guys are going to have to step up because if they don't get home with the pass rush consistently, quarterback's going to take chances down the field and the onus is going to be on the cornerback. So I would put that group overall, even with Darnay Holmes showing some flashes, we haven't seen it enough in games. So that to me, I think is the biggest looming question mark over this team. Yeah, And the point I made, Paul, to, to Jeff on the show yesterday was, well, you want to test? If the Bengals play Jamar Chase and T. Higgins and Tyler Boyd on Sunday, that's not Nixon. I don't know what his first name was for the Patriots last week that was catching all his deep oh. passes. Like, he, that, what, the third string How about receiver? Wilkerson, too? Exactly. Who? Um, so, so I think we'll oh, have a – Well, I mean, I mean, it's not, it's not mean. Like, I don't think anybody in the Patriots knows – His parents love him. I don't think anyone in the Patriots knows no, who, you I know, know. Uh, I know. David Sills is on the Giants. No, you know, you sure. know what I mean? I'm or sure. Alex Bachman. I mean, it's the same level of guy. Yeah. So what are these Giants quarterbacks going to do about a group of true – I mean, that might be the best – wide receiver trio of any tight team in football. Like, Certainly so one of the best, yeah. We're, we're, we're going to see, like, if they play, and we'll see. My guess is that they're all going to play a little bit. I hope so. We'll get to see how, how the Giants' corners we, can do against that group. We need to, to see if the Bengals are practicing today and see what's coming out of there, if they have any information on snaps. Yeah. Burrow is practicing this week, but again, I doubt, He's not gonna his, play. I doubt he'll play. No. This well, but that changes the equation as well, though. Based on you know who's going to be under center. True, too. but you can still watch even if you the, can still watch the, the quarterback one-on-ones. doesn't oh, sure. complete the pass. Yeah. You can see if the corner can stay with yeah. the receiver. Or not, and and you, know? you know, John, uh, to be frank with you, you know this. I've been very high on Adoree Jackson. I think he he was underrated last year. I thought he played better than a lot of people. Oh did. no! And the point I made is that Adoree Jackson is the one guy I'm not that worried. And, and, I'm, and, really and I'm very about. high on Aaron Robinson, who had a horrible first quarter in New England. He was just he had a really really bad night. And I just, I don't believe that that's him. I think it was an aberration. I still have tremendous confidence in him. So I'm not shaken by that. I was disappointed, but I'm not shaken. So that's how I'm going into it. So I appreciate the question uh, about the, the corners. So you have no concern about the Giants' cornerbacks? 
Well, I think beyond those two, I, and I think Darnay Holmes has had a hell of a camp, so I really feel good about him at slot. But who's the, who's the fourth corner right now with Flot Hurt? Who's the fourth corner? Well, it could be the guy they just brought in from Buffalo, right? He's a special teamer, I think. From what I understand, yeah. he's going to be okay. a special teamer. He's been a practice squad guy, too. I mean, he barely he's a, he's had a any special regular teamer. season. He made, he made a really nice play on the ball in practice the other day. But what Came I, off his guy. You know, I, I mean... Evans has shown out in the last week. Yeah, I mean, and is he, he possibly the fourth? And corner? he hit a couple moments a couple weeks ago too. But who's the backup slot? I mean, Khalil Dorsey's been playing that spot. Really? I mean, you feel good about that? Okay, so okay, so, so we talked about that would certainly be an issue for me. Okay, so All you right. so you have more concern about corner depth, cornerback depth than the starters per se. Yes, right. yes, I do. Um, but for me, John, and I think. This is such an intriguing team to me because I do think there is so much potential and there are so many possible answers for so many of these questions. So I just go back to what I said about a week or so ago, and I know so many people hit me up on Twitter. They don't care, but damn it, if you watch the game Thursday night, the Giants' special teams coverage units were horrible. They were horrible. They could not cover a kickoff or a punt worth a darn. Yeah, but the guys that, now, are, that are doing that in the preseason exactly. might not even be on your team. But who, in, in will the, who will the core coverage guys be? Well, let me tell you this. If the Giants' biggest problem this year is covering <laughs> punts and kicks, we're going to be in I'm great giving, shape. I'm giving, no, no. I'm not giving that to you as my primary. What I'm giving it to you is well, one that's under the radar. Oh, that's fine. No, but my question is what is for you on – what is top of mind well, it's gotta be the, right It's got to be the offensive line. Okay. But I, I, we're, so, we're, we're talking about that for 10 okay, years. Okay, no, that's fine. That's so okay. I don't want to talk no, about okay, it. But you fine. could have emphasized that's that, okay. though. There's nothing wrong with that. That's you know? fine. I, yeah, I, I don't want to talk about the offensive line okay. because it's okay. so it's a bored topic. It's a dead you. horse. Okay, that's fine. So I'd I rather go to something that most He'd people— He'd rather talk about guys that are not going to make the 52. No, I'd rather, to, I'd rather, rather, I'd rather address a question <laughs> that, most, that doesn't keep most people up at night yeah. but drives no, me I nuts. You. I got you. And, no, and damn it, they better find a handful of core special teams guys who are going to do big things on specials because you know what? I'm going to tell you something right now, fellas. Even if this offense and defense are both middle of the pack in the NFL this year, if their special teams becomes a travesty, it will short-circuit any improvement that you expect to see in the one-loss record. It can really impact your team and throw your team off a cliff. It's one-third of the game. It's not one-third of the game. It's not one-third of the game. Look at the number of plays each game. It's not one-third of the game. I understand the point, John, but field position, ask Tom Coughlin. He'll tell you it is. Because field position impacts tremendously how you play defense and how you play offense. How many times on average is there an actual return in the game? How many actual return plays are there where a guy actually returns a punt or a kick? kick? Six there's not a ton of them. Yeah, so how is six plays a third a of the game? Be- because everything you call in your playbook is based off of initial field position where you start your drive. And all it takes is one scoring drive most times to change the outcome of a game. I know, but it does. But it's not a th- Paul, if it's six. All right, forget the percentage. Okay. I don't care. Okay. Forget the percentage. I don't care. It's an important part of the game that can win or lose you several contests. Ooh, I, I see. It I think can. special teams maybe get you in one, maybe two games a year. Maybe. <sighs> Especially if you take the kicking game out of it. If you take field goals out of it. Then, yeah, what, maybe you'll—I mean, how many times does the team have a return for over right, 20 yards against in a season? Like, let, 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 let's put it this way. One of the most valuable but unsung heroes in that second Patriots Super Bowl in Indianapolis was Steve Weatherford, who consistently, I think, what was it, on five or six punts, put them all inside the 10 and made Tom Brady and the Patriots go the length of the field every single time. If you don't think that was not a significant factor in yeah, winning that's, that game, that's because that's, I'm sorry. But, you, I, but you, you, you weren't talking about the punters. You're talking about the coverage units. Yeah, but that's part of it. Because even if the ball is is rolling down inside there, you have to have good kick coverage units to make sure that nothing does happen with that ball. That it gets downed. Well, that it does go out of bounds. Well, that if the fielder does decide to, re- to, to try to return it, he doesn't get anywhere. It's a big deal. Tilting the field is a very big deal, especially if your team is not great. The Giants are not great. They can't afford to be fighting upfield every week. They I can't. Hear They're just not good enough. That's all. Okay. Fair it's enough. A, again, it doesn't keep most people up at night, mm-hmm. but it gives me agita. 
Everything keeps you up. Yeah, night. that's and true. Everything gives you up. But that's true. So. <laughs> I'm I'm crazy. I admit it. I admit it. I'm like a coach and a GM. I stay up all hours of the night thinking about this stuff. That's what I do. Are you okay? Yeah, I'm okay. Two two one nine three nine four five one three. Hey, Paul, do you want to be a giant sweet partner? Don't miss your chance to experience Ajita in a premier hospitality experience. Watching Giant Games world-class concerts in 2022 as a giant sweet partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. I wish we were on video right now because what I would do, I'd have Pearson and like our graphic guys create a Paul Dottino Ajita chart. And every day when he comes on the show, we'd have it at like a different level, a like meter. either yeah, yeah a meter. Uh, uh, it would uh, either uh, be up and down like a thermometer, or, or it could be like a Richter scale, or like an audio board where like it kind of you know goes left to right based on like the severity of the Tino's agita. And we'd have to come up with names for like the different categories, like <laughs> slightly perturbed, like tense. Needed 10 miles today. Disgusted. Not sleeping. Right, right, right. Disgusted. Right. And then like, ap- and, and then comatose. Because when you get really bad, you're not angry anymore. You're right. You're comatose. I, I get very numb. Yeah. <laughs> so the, so, I have to. So that would be the worst category. It would be numb. Right. Numb. Numb. Yeah. I'm just glad like we haven't had video for a lot of years because these last few years have been pretty tough. Speaking of numb, let's go to Scott in New Mexico. He's up next. Scott, what's going on? <laughs> uh, hey, tell Paul, Paul, there are pills for Agita, so you don't have to worry. Oh, no, no, no. You don't, you don't want to, uh, me to ingest anything coming out of a bottle. That would not be a good idea. Except also, for, like, don't open beverage. the door for him to throw out a sponsor that's not associated yes. with the show. <laughs> thank you, Thank you, thank you. That's more of a reason you shouldn't post that statement. Yeah. Since Charlie's going to follow me, do you want me to talk longer to, so you speak to him less or just my normal oh, stuff? Ah, Scott, just, just, just give me you what you You already got. gave him too much promotion, yeah, correct, Scott. Yes. So, I mean, you shot yourself oh, okay. in the foot People right there. People just clicked off the show is what they did. Yeah. <laughs> and and, and Charlie, Charlie will be the last call, not the next call. Anyway, Scott, go okay. ahead. Um, First of all, John, I agree with you that uh, Victor Cruz should at some point uh, be in that ring of honor because even though, albeit he had a shorter window of, of opportunity, he was cer- certainly impactful, and I think he should get on onto that ring of honor shortly. My question, I wanted to go back to 2019 in regards to Daniel Jones. I'm going to read something, uh, and I want you guys to tell me uh, where this disconnect is. Uh-huh. There were 25 quarterbacks in 2019. This is the year that Daniel Jones threw 20 touchdowns, I think 12 interceptions. 24 touchdowns, yeah. Yeah. There were 25 quarterbacks who had thrown at least 20 passes that have traveled at least 20 yards beyond the line of scrimmage. Of those quarterbacks, no one has thrown on target. That's a pass considered catchable more than Daniel Jones at 67.9%. Was it, was it just in 2019 you're talking about, in that one year? Right. Okay. And, and I just, I'm trying to figure something out. No, I got you. But no, but no quarterback has completed fewer of his deep attempts than Jones, same year, at 21.4%. What I'm saying is, or what I'm trying to figure out, is uh, the Giants didn't have receivers who had separation to the Giants? They rate uh, Giants. I mean, they rate receivers who have separation, and two of the receivers ranked in the top ten of two yards or less separation. That was uh, Slayton and Golden Tate. So we're, we're going through this progression from year to year, where uh, John Maris admitted they screwed up Daniel Jones. I was not a Daniel Jones. Uh, uh, guy in the beginning, I wanted Dwayne Haskins, may he rest in peace, uh, to be the quarterback draft for the Giants, but that didn't work out. So when I looked at Daniel Jones and he started playing, I realized he throws a pretty good damn long ball. And my question really is, if that's the way he is and he can do that, the problem was that he didn't do very good on his second and third reads, but that started from his Duke days because he was trained to look at one receiver Throw the ball to that one receiver. It wasn't nobody he couldn't do the second and third reads. And that's the way they did it at Duke. So the Giants knew that when they drafted him. But he throws an excellent long ball. So I'm trying to understand why they don't develop that skill. Because what I'm seeing is a duplication of what um, 
Dable did with Buffalo. No, no, I want to be I want to hear Scott. Scott, develop. You're kind of all over the place. Develop what skill? Throwing deep or throwing well, to being the able second to take, and third reads? Okay, being the second and third reads, of course, and then also to be able to throw the ball down the field. You need time which to do that. He's very good at. Yeah, but well, you need I'm time sorry? to do that, and the offensive lines that have been here for the last several years have right. not been really good enough to give him a consistent opportunity. And for right. your so point we, about the second and third read, I'll give you an example. In that rookie year, if memory serves me correctly, they were right. playing the Minnesota Vikings. There was a play in the red zone, and he must have – I think he threw to one of the backup running backs. Guys, I don't know if you recall. And he looked at like four different guys before he passed the ball. So, I mean, that was an example where he actually went through the entire trajectory of his reads. So there's been some examples that they have Some examples, but not, but not consistently. And I'm, what I'm saying is – can they open up this offense a little bit more with the receivers they have? Uh, if Tony plays well and Wondell Robinson plays well and they get some effort from Bellinger and Galladay, even if Galladay only has 500 yards, I won't care if Wondell Robinson has 1,000 yards and the Giants finish the season at 10-7. and 7. It doesn't make any difference because it's all about wins and losses. But the key is, as John, you've put numerous times as the quarterback, so can they open up the offense so they can take advantage of the skills of being able to go down the field with the offensive line they have? And that was my basic question okay, got to it. you guys. Thank you, Scott. All right. Uh, Appreciate the thanks. call. Thanks. Yep. Look, I think they're going to try to. Um, I think Daniels be more consistent with that stuff, too. And I'm going to go – you talk about that. People always talk about the, the 2019 season, right? And I'll, I'll oh, you know, he just plays like he does in 2019. He had three games that year where he had combined just those three games. He had 13 touchdowns and zero interceptions. One was against Detroit, the worst team in football. Second worst defense in the league. One was against Washington, fifth worst defense in the league. One of the worst teams in football. The other one was against the Jets, one of the worst teams in football. Where'd they all draft that year? In like the top six or seven. So you have to, I think... Take some of those numbers from that year, which was a small sample size. He only played in, he only started 12 games that year. So I think you have to take that with a little bit of a grain of salt um, in terms of how that year went. And yeah, Daniel has shown the ability to throw the deep ball. He threw the deep ball great two years ago. Last year, his deep ball accuracy wasn't nearly as good as it was back in 2020, for example. Mm -hmm. So that's a small sample size number, and there's a large variation of that from year to year. You know, whenever you have a stat that's focused on the smaller number of plays a stat is based on, the more divergence you're going to have from year to year. It's not going to be as consistent, right? So I think he just has to become more consistent at it. To Paul's point, protection has a lot to do with it, too. And him having wide receivers that are going to help him on those plays also. Make plays for your quarterback. Giants have led the league or been right up there amongst the league leaders in drops in each of the last several years. This is not a secret. We all know that. And quite honestly, okay, I don't care who it is. You and I mentioned Galladay before, John, saying you got to get you got to get a thousand yards out mm-hmm. of him. I'll tell you what, okay? If he does that, he is a headache player. And how many times have you heard me say yeah. you've got to have headache players? Well, Barkley should be a headache player this year, if like he, he was as a rookie. If he can, he stay should healthy. be. Yep. He should be. What they plan for him in this offense, he should be a headache player. And the Giants need Galladay or Tony, or Robinson, one of their receivers has to become a headache player. And if Galladay's not going to do it, then Tony or Robinson better have eight or 900 yards and average 16, 17 yards a catch because somebody in that receiving core needs to step up and be a headache player to complement Barclay as a headache player so that defensive coordinators every Monday night are going to sit up all night and say, oh, my God we got to deal with two headache players when we game plan for this team. That's going to be the kind of thing that helps bring the Giants to another level as opposed to just trying to get to mediocrity. 201-939-4513. Let's go back to the phones and say hi to Jonathan Westchester. Jonathan, what's up? Hey, how are you guys? What's up, Jonathan? Well, first, uh, my family and I had the pleasure of meeting Paul at the Giants training camp this year. And, Paul, it was, it was great to speak with you. Nice to uh, talk to you, to too. Yes. Thank you. Uh, so I wanted to uh, bring up two guys who uh, could end up sneaking onto the 53. I wanted to get your thoughts on them because I thought they both looked good in the first uh, preseason game. Sure. First one is uh, safety Trenton Thompson. I thought he showed good closing speed, 
um, both on the sack he had and in coverage. And the second guy is um, an offensive lineman, uh, Devery Hamilton. I know PFF grades, you know, should be taken with a grain of salt, but I saw he was the Giants' highest-rated player with a 90.1 overall grade. So I wanted to get your thoughts on those two guys. No, good stuff, Jonathan. Look, I think Devery has done a nice job. He was on the practice squad last year. He's a guy that I think they've developed a little bit, and I think with all the injuries inside, I think he's got a shot. To, if he's not going to be practice squad, maybe be that last offensive lineman on, depending on the health of uh, Azudu and, and things like that. But if Azudu and Bredesen are going to be on, it sounds like if they're healthy, those guys are going to be on. Getting a third interior guy might be tough, but if it is, and you know, and maybe Hamilton can can, can go out there and, and and play a little bit of tackle too. I know he has some position flex in him, but yeah, I think he's of the guys on the roster. If they think he can go out there and and play well with tackle for them, I think he could be a guy um, that could maybe sneak on. You know, as for Thompson, you know, he hasn't flashed a ton, Paul, in practice. I haven't noticed him a ton. He's had a couple pass breakups. He did have that nice blitz, as as, as Jonathan mentioned in the game. <sighs> But look, I think behind the two starting safeties, it's still pretty wide open right now, to be honest with you. Yeah, I think Andrew Adams is probably got a lead to be the third safety. Probably just because of his experience, yeah. right? Yeah, I would think so. And then Corker maybe as the four, but he hasn't, outside of a couple of flashes during camp, you know, he had a penalty in the game the other night. Yeah, in fact, Julian Love went out of his way to point Trenton Thompson out during his media availability two days ago. Now he did. Now mm-hmm. here's what I'll tell you about Thompson, okay? Six years because he took advantage of redshirt and COVID uh, at San Diego State. And from what I understand, the reason that the Giants even brought him in was for special teams and that he could be a dark horse as a special teams demon. Mm, You'll remember Keon Crossan was was brought here because of his association with Joe Judge. Well, he was very good on Because he's an outstanding special teams gunner. gunner, Mm -hmm. And a guy who could get down there and not only tackle, but could also down the ball. Well... You heard me talk about special teams as a concern before. You're going to need one of those guys who is just a special teams demon. He may not be able to play anything else, but maybe he's really an ace on specials. Um, My understanding was he was brought here as a potential one of those guys. So I don't think he makes the team so much as a safety as much as special teams. Yeah, no question about it. No question about it. Um, Lance had to pop off, by the way, to do serious. That's why you haven't heard from him in a while. If you wonder why Lance hasn't been chiming in, that's why. So um, he's off to do. Uh, I don't know who he's hosting with Sirius today, but he'll be on with somebody at three. I just thought I'm he sure. hit his head on the bottom of the table. Well, I've never seen you happier. That's <laughs> no, not true. Now, folks, no, Lance, Lance, and I, I get. We, I know. I'm just teasing. Yeah, but you, you say that, and people think, you know. Anyway, know. okay, real quick, let's go to Charlie in Portland, Maine. He will wrap us up. Charlie, see, I got Lance out of here, so we didn't fight with him when you called in. What's up? <laughs> Perfect. Hey, uh, Paul, I'm a headache caller. Remember yes, that. you are. But, <laughs> but, but you know, we, we talk about headache players in a good way. You're a headache caller in a bad way. It's, it's, it's different. <laughs> Actually, you keep Lance up at night every week. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> hey, look, uh, Ring of Honor, Will Beatty should have been there, but I'm hoping oh, next year. Shut up. Right? Next. Next. <laughs> why, why do you do that, Charlie? This he's an idiot. Next. Why? He's a great you destroy, player. You okay. destroy any kind of niceties that we want to throw your way when you do that. <laughs> He's a, he was trying to be funny. He's not serious. At least I hope he's All not. Right. <laughs> hey, uh, top of the mind, okay? The top of the mind to me is injuries. That's top of the mind. We got so many guys injured. Like, we got two more practices this week. We got another whole week of practices before the last preseason game. Then we got two weeks of practices before the first game. You just contradicted yourself, Charlie. You have right. a lot of time till week one. So a lot yeah, of these guys have time to heal. Yeah, That's but they the also, point. We have more, yeah, but we have more practices for other guys to get injured again. Yeah, but what Coach has been taking that. it easy on these guys. Remember, John, I this week so. he pulled back a padded practice and made it the shells because he, he wanted to make sure guys are staying okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. we got so many guys injured. And the thing is with special teams, Paul, don't worry. We've got two guys that right now are – you know, are injured. Belton and my son, Millitime, who will be very <laughs> good on special teams. Yeah, Millitime. Doesn't he He'll have to do very... something to get a nickname? Yeah. I mean, come on. No, he's done something already. Has he? Yeah. He's from Maine. That's yeah. what he's done. <laughs> yeah. He got a touchdown in, uh, in the scrimmage. And also, they got rid of Hall, who is his competition for the H-back position. So, I think... Uh, 
he's doing pretty good right now. I mean, he's going to be a great special teams player. So when Belton will be, and he might be your other safety that yep. you forgot to mention him. All right, be, all right, Charlie, Charlie, be quick. We got to go. Last point. Yeah, that that's pretty much the last point. I'm Great. just worried about injuries. That's that's about. And it. that's fair. Well, I totally understand, Charlie. Thanks for the call. And look, I'd be I'm I'm concerned about that too. And and that was Jeff's answer yesterday. So I, yeah. I get that. Not Charlie. That makes sense. I'm, I can't believe I just said those words. Well, they're, they're, I did well, again. It's a very <laughs> intriguing team, John. Yeah. It really is. So we'll see. Paul, good stuff. Yeah, a lot of fun. Lance, good stuff. I totally agree, Lance. Thank you very much for being with us today on Big Blue Kickoff Live. I'm John Schmelk. Uh, We're back again tomorrow at 2, Friday at 2, and then next week and the week after, folks, they're doing some afternoon practices, so we're going to move the show start time to 3. That's starting on Monday, August 22nd, and that'll go through September 2nd. So those two weeks, we're going to have shows at 3 o'clock each day because, again, there's practices from, like, 145 to 245, 1230 to 230. We don't want to, you know, do the show during practice. We can't tell you what doesn't happened. make sense. So it doesn't make any sense. So uh, again, this week, Thursday, Friday, 2 p.m. Game Sunday, next week, and the week after that, three o'clock. For Dottino and Meadow, I'm Schmelk. We'll see you then. Adios. Open a limited-time 11-month certificate at Kemba Financial Credit Union. At 5.25% APY, it's more than triple the national average, plus it's a safe and secure way to grow your money. Visit your local branch or kemba.org slash cd for details. Offer expires May 31st, 2024. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. $500 minimum and $250,000 maximum deposit. Advantage status required. Comparison based on bank rate average. Federally insured by NCUA. Live Nation presents Concert Week. Now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirk Bentley, Fade, Hootie and the Blowfish, Janet Jackson, Kids Bop Kids, Megan Trainor, Bissell Pluma, Sarah McLaughlin. Get tickets to more than 5,000 summer shows for just $25. Until now through May 14th. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to learn more and plan your summer with Sean Paul, Sum 41, 30 Seconds from Mars, oh, and Two Door Cinema Club.